0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan, additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tekovas is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots and I'm them with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, to Kovus. And they have a seasonal, limited-edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and they ship right to your door. Go to DeCovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening guys? Happy Wednesday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code CHAIL today to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you about Amanda Nunes and her decision to leave American Top Team. Why Francis Ngannou and Surreal Gone are failing ahead of UFC 270 and I'll also hand out a brand new award. All of that later, but first, let's begin with my reaction to what went down over the weekend. Giga versus Cater. All right, guys, here's what we learned. You have to make sure that you put on your historian's cap here to be able to appreciate what Calvin Cater did. Never in history could you offer me one single example of anybody who took the kind of beating that Cater took in his last fight, came back against a top-ranked guy, and performed that well. You would have a hard time even finding me somebody that took the kind of uh, beating that Cater took and even returned against a top-ranked guy. Right there. You can find it, but you'll have to search. Now he performed against a top-ranked guy and won. You're going to have a very, very hard time finding me one example where that happened. But this was the trifecta. He not only returned against a ranked guy, he not only won, it's the performance where he looked that good. That's not what happens. That is where Cater really needs to be thrown up on people's shoulders and allotted right now. Max Holloway put the kind of beating on Calvin Cater that changes your career. Max took Cater to a place that Cater had never been before, and I can assure you, never wants to return to. But generally, that fear of returning to your most vulnerable spot were the first time in Cater's career. And I'm talking about the Holloway fight. For the first time in Cater's career, he could not follow even the most basic rule, which was protect yourself at all times. He was exhausted. He was outclassed. He had the bright lights. It was on ABC. He's in there with the former world champion. Anything that could go on bad went on except Cater finished the match. So he showed us how dog tough he is. But being tough in most sports is a prerequisite to reaching your goals. Being tough in this sport, you will leave a piece of yourself out there. You do not get better at fighting with experience. No other sport can say that. The more you play basketball, just good sense says, the better you're going to play basketball. You could insert soccer. Golf would be a glaring example. Tennis would be a glaring example. In fighting, the more you do it, the worse you get. Now, there's some fine points for that statement to be completely true. But if you take that with you through life and you bring that up in conversation, you're going to look right more times than you're going to look wrong. Cater had these things happen to him and he came back with his single best performance. When you have happened to you, what Cater had happened to him against Max, you don't even want to go back to a main event. You want to fight, you want to follow that rule, get right back on the horse when you're bucked up, but you want to fix a little bit of it. Most guys would change weight classes, most guys would take even more time off. Cater gave himself a nice long break, he came back, he rejuvenated his mind, and he went out there and he performed against a top guy. And he won, and he looked great doing it. I'm submitting for you, that in history has never happened before. DraftKings had Giga as the favorite. Now, I knew and talked to you guys about this, that this was going to be a very close fight, but I agreed with that. And I didn't agree with it because of the jabs or the kicks or the condition or even the motivation of either athlete. I agreed with it because I was armed with the fact that nobody in history has ever come off an ass whipping like Cater took and done well in their next fight. And I'm challenging you guys. I realize I said that three times, but I read the comment section and I know when I go down there, you're not going to submit an example for me. This is an absolute first. Giga, on the other hand, I don't know if we learned anything about him. We knew that Giga was a tough, willing game opponent before that bell ever rang. We know today he is tough, willing, and game opponent. I'm not sure we learned anything on Giga. But Cater really showed his true character here. This is a crowning moment. If Cater was to come back and win a world championship, maybe we need to revise this, but maybe not. Even with the addition of a world championship somewhere down the road, I don't know that Cater is ever going to outdo for the audience what he just did, because it was not physical. We saw the physicality, but it all came because this was mental. I am so impressed with what Cater did, but I want you guys to be as well. Which is why I want you to understand there was no other example that you could find of anybody that took that kind of an ass whooping and came back and flipped the script in his next performance, which happened to be a main event against a rising star. It was just one short week ago that Giga was in the conversation to get a win here and go right into a world title fight against Volkanovski, and many of you supported that premise. Giga's the same guy. Giga looked great. Giga's tougher than hell. Eventually, time runs out. You turn to the judges. That's the way the game is played. But Cater showed this speed. So another takeaway, and I know that you guys agree with me. I know we're all very impressed with Giga, even with the silver medal. I know we're all very impressed with Cater, even with the gold medal. But maybe you you should be even more impressed with Cater. Because there's another story here. Which is there is a gap at 145 pounds. What Calvin Cater just went out and did is one of the best performances I've seen in the last four years any weight class, anybody that was amongst the small handful that would go into a category of single best performances, okay? And Giga was his partner, so he gets credit too, but there's still a gap. Max and Volkanovsky, what do we do? What do you do? I know what we tried to do to solve this problem, which we going to have them fight an unprecedented third time when the first two went the same way, but now we see why that was the right call to make. There is a gap. Those boys have got to go figure it out. And you also just can't let a Max Holloway float around a division because they're 1-2, and which is Max and the champ, Volkanovski, have separated themselves from the pack, right? 145 pounds is what we're talking about here, guys. You probably agreed with everything that I said, but even if you did it with one of the points, can can we agree at least that the overall uh, point and the genesis of this entire narrative is to praise 145 pounds, and when's the last time we've ever done that? When's the last time, as a group and a community, we sat down and argued about the greatest matches, marquee matches, a main event fight, who should be going in for the title and where, how goddamn good is the champ and number two at 145 pounds? Never. I don't know the pound for pound list. I don't know it. But I do know Kamar Usman sits at number one for the, the pound for pound. I know he's number one. Because I remember when I saw that, I remember it a good feeling in my heart because they got that one right. I don't know who's number two, but something tells me it should be Volkanovsky. And I did not realize that until Cater and Giga. Because if you watch Cater and Giga, you juxtapose that with Holloway versus Cater, you start to realize how goddamn great, not just good, how great this division is, and Volkanovsky sits at the top of it. Volkanovski, I thought, lost to Max not once but twice. And guys, regardless of the points, the premise is the same, which is 145 pounds, has never been more on display. It has never been in better hands. It has never been more healthy. And it has never been more featured than it is right now. So lurking over this whole featherweight conversation is a guy I haven't talked about in a while. Henry Cejudo. He is back. And as usual, he's got a lot to say. Well, I've read your comments. I told you guys I read the comment section. I've seen everything that you said. You're saying that Henry Cejudo got me. Fine. Fine, but he only got me halfway. You guys are missing a point. Now... Here's what we're talking about, guys, in case you're not part of the ecosystem in the community that is our comment section. Henry Cejudo has come out and said that he wanted to come back and fight and he wanted to do it for a championship match. A lot of you said that he was just hustling, he was trying to gain attention, that he's going in different directions, he's on stage at a yak yak shack doing comedy, he's just trying to keep focus on himself, and I said no. No. I spoke to Henry, I saw it in his eyes, and this was a true competitor. Now Henry has come out, One week after not giving the Volkanovsky fight, he's completely given up on that, completely given up on the 145-pound division, and has now inserted himself in in a fictional fight against either Aljo or Peter Jan, but he's back at 135. I'm not sure you have enough evidence to say that I was suckered. And when I said I will only meet you halfway, I will meet you halfway that perhaps Henry is not going to pursue 145 pounds, but that Henry is going to come back. Now, before you call me a fool, hear me out on this. I don't know how bad Henry ever wanted to go through 145 pounds. I don't know how bad he ever wanted to go and become a contender, have an elimination match, I would estimate at a maximum of two, and go in for the title. He wanted to be CCC, right? Which I think is four because I think the Olympics counts. But he wanted to win the championship at 45 to go along with the 35 and the 25-pound belt. So if you take that championship match away and he's just got to go through the ringer, in fairness to Henry, why not just do it at 135? Henry would not be very big for a 45-pounder. Henry was not a huge 25-pounder. He was good size. He had trouble some. You know, 25 was hard, but just to put in perspective for you, when he won the Olympics, he did that at 121. So he moves up a couple of kilos. I'm only telling you he would have been small for 45, and you probably would have had to sweeten the pot just right to get him to go in there. And he told us what his terms were. World title, Volkanovsky. great. But when he's told back that that can't happen, now we have to sit back and see what Henry's move is. If I was predicting for you, and I will admit I had this wrong, if I was predicting for you, my prediction would have been, he's going to say, okay, what's the path at 45? Do I go in there with Ortega? Do I go in there with Rodriguez? What gets me to get in there with the winner of Max Volkanovsky? By example. I would have had that wrong. It now looks like he's going to 135, but even though I would have had that guess wrong, 135 is the right move. I would have had a little bit more clarity. I would have guessed 135. Now, Henry's saying for 135, and I see you guys giving me a hard time. See, I'm I'm going to re-quote you back to yourself so that you know Uncle Chael's reading these comments. You're saying that Henry said he will fight Peter Yan, And that he needs a whole bunch of money to do it. Because Henry said, and I'm quoting you, quoting him, his legacy is on the line. Now, that is a tough one to see. That is a tough one if you're a Henry fan. And I would go in the category, I'd like to see Henry fight. I think the sport's more fun when he's around. I think Henry got a lot of credit, but had a lot more coming and stepped aside too early. I do believe that. Where are we going to get him the money? You will never be paid for the risk that you're taking in this sport. Anywhere you go, any promotion, any way you want to do it. The damage, the hurt feelings, or the legacy, that does not have anything to do with the inflation to your price. You will always be rewarded for what you can bring in. Would Henry versus Jan be a main event of a pay per view? Not likely. Would Henry versus Aljo be a main event of a pay-per-view? Not likely. I'll ask it another way. Could Henry versus Jan sell out an arena? Because it's the same answer. Pay-per-views are all sold out, and that doesn't just happen because it's a PPV. The card is stacked, and the card is putting away for things that you guys want to see, that you truly want to see, that they're going to capture on cam- camera and show around the world for the brand. No, probably not. Henry's in one tough spot. When I tell you Henry's in a tough spot, that means I am in a tough spot. Because I do want to see Henry fight, in all fairness. I do want to see Henry get in there with fresh competition, which Aljo and Jan represent, and everybody at 145 is brand new parity. I want to see that. My problem is, Henry was champion and had something known as the championship clause. His last fight was at UFC 246. Going off of the estimates that Dave Meltzer put out for the pay-per-view predictions, and Dave is way off, but Dave's closer than other people. As off as Meltzer is, he is the closest. But going off of Dave's numbers of the projected pay-per-view buys, and knowing what I know about championship clauses and Henry's contract specifically, Henry was sent on a bonus of about $3 million. That's bonus. That's bonus. That's the whole thing's done, go home, 30 days go by, all the numbers come in, this gets wired to your account. He's probably just south of that, but I'm close, just in bonus. Plus his show, plus his win, plus his sponsors, it was a great day, which is why, for a moment in time, Henry said, I'm out. The first time you make that kind of money, you think that's going to last you a really long time. Now, Henry's life has changed. He got married, by example. He has a child, by example. So all of a sudden you, you all of a sudden you want to go back to work, right? All of a sudden you, you cut you cut your managers in, your trainers in. You do right by your team. You pay Uncle Sugar, known as the the government, his cut. All of a sudden that money isn't what you thought it was. In fact, it's just a little bit half of the big beautiful number that you had. Okay, we get that. Henry's not the first to do that, but I'm only sharing with you that three million dollar bonus came on the back of a gift, a generous act given two exclusively champions. So the moment Henry gave that belt back and they accepted it, that clause is gone, which means Henry falls back to his win and his show, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 180 grand both ways. Right around 180 show and 180 a win. I have no idea. I've never asked Henry his business. I'm guessing, but I know this well, and I'm probably pretty close and maybe even high. That's a lot of cake, Jake. 360 for a win, that's a lot of money. But it's not compared to $3.6 million. So Henry is now saying, I'll come back and I'll do it. My legacy is on the line. Henry is not wrong. His legacy is on the line. It just doesn't come with a value. For example, we're not going to sit down and go to buy that pay-per-view and everybody's going to pay more money for that pay-per-view than an average pay-per-view. We're all going to be okay with it because this is about a legacy. No, it doesn't work like that at all not even remotely close. And the two potential fights that he would have if he was able to come back and be given the respect of going right in for a championship run, the championship that he never lost. I like the storyline. I think it all works. I think he should get to come right in and at max be one away. Maximum, one away. To do that without the championship clause, it's going to be a very different contract. So if Henry is getting our hopes up and he's making a guy like me fall for it to the point that my own people, you guys, are teasing me for falling for it, if that is a caveat that has to be met, it's not going to be. But he's the one that gave it back. Nobody took it from him. Nobody defeated him for it. Nobody out-negotiated him. He gave it back. So what do you do? But what do you do? I'm just asking you guys for a prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Am I truly the sucker that you guys are saying I am? And Henry has no plan to come back. He's going into training. He's doing stand-up at the Yak Yak Shack. Is that what it is? And he's keeping his name out there. If so, I'll stop right there. I don't believe that. I really don't. I've looked in his eyes. I've known him for a long time. He wants to come back and compete. I slap him on the back, it's like touching a brick wall. I mean, he's in shape. He's in shape because he's training his ass off. He's not training his ass off just because this is a hobby. Do you know anybody that does MMA as a hobby? To that level, twice a day, in a gym, with professionals, trainers and partners? No, come on, he's getting ready to do something. But we can't meet him there. We can't give him a clause that he personally gave back. We just can't. So what do we do? How do you make that right? And enough time can go by. Well, he'll make it right on his own, right? We're seeing that with John Jones right now. John was sitting out, or else he was standing up, standing up to the man. He was fighting for all the boys and girls in the back. He was doing everything. And then a little bit of time went by. John's bills came coming in. No money was coming in. All of a sudden, where do I sign? Right? That's okay. But are we going to do that with Henry? Because I think that they, I think it's hot right now. Henry has done a better job than any champion that I have seen in retiring and keeping his names in the headlines you guys want to argue that point? You want to tell me a former champion that's done as good of a job as Henry at staying topical and staying out there? But everything needs tweaked. Everything needs turned. I think we're seeing a turn right now. I think Henry has turned his attention off of 45 and Volkanovsky specifically back to 135. And he's talking about championship opportunities. He's saying all of the right things. We just as the audience don't have clarity. Henry's got a little army out there, but we can't all point our cannons in the same direction when first he's saying turn them left and then he's saying turn them right. We got half going left, half going right. Now the message doesn't get out there. I need to have things a little bit clear, And I will not fall for this. Again, he got me. I won't fall for it again. I just have to have an answer to one thing, which is, is this all come down to the money? He has the level of contract out there that exists right now. Is he willing to honor that contract, or is it going to be a different discussion? Because if it's going to be a different discussion, likely that conversation's never going to happen, and I'll stop. But if he's flexible and he wants to compete, and it's about competition first, if he wants to make it about championships and or legacy due to the success that he plans to find in there, that's a story we can get behind. So I'll give you guys 50%. Henry got me 50% but I still think there's 50% left, which is there's still some dog left in Henry Cejudo and he still wants a piece of that bone. So someone else who also has a lot to say like Henry Cejudo is Patty Pimplin. Now Patty the Batty is back in the news today and coming up next, I'll tell you why, but first a word about today's presenting sponsor. It's time for UFC 270 and the heavyweight title fight between the undefeated Surreal Gone and knockout artist Francis Ngannou. For these guys, it could take just one punch to win, and the same goes for you at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just one dollar and win a hundred in free bets if either fighter lands a single punch. Rather bet this weekend's football games instead? DraftKings also has a special offer for those looking to get in on the gridiron action. New customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any playoff team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down just $1.00 on the UFC 270 main event and win $100 in free bets if gone or Angano land a single punch. That's code CHAIL. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler Are any of you guys graphic artists? Are, are you artists of any kind? Can you mold stuff? Can you make cool stuff? And I, I want an idea. I will pay you for it. I'm going to buy it. But I want to get an award that I can start handing out Uh, It's going to be called the Dumb Son of a Bitch Award. I'm going to have it here. We're going to present it on the Chael Sonnen Show. Patty Pimlin's manager, I would like to hand my first ever award to, if I have it. Now, we won't make this official. He's not actually the first uh, winner, but boy, is that one dumb son of a bitch. So, and I'm trying not to talk about him, right? He got cross with me. I'm going to keep his name out of my mouth as a way of unserving him so he can figure out what side of the bread has butter. I'm going to make an exception right now. Have you heard of a guy named Dana White? Have you heard of a guy named Dave Portnoy? Have you heard of something called the Ultimate Fighting Championship? Have you heard of something called Barstool Sport? Now... You're probably laughing, you're probably saying yes, but I'm going to ask you those simple questions because we combined those four things. We combined the the Ultimate Fighting Championship and Dana White with Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports. Sounds like a pretty powerful formula if your goal is promotion. Can we agree on that? Okay. Dana White told Dave Portnoy that Patty Piplin. Is going to be fighting Truck Gordon in England. Mr. Dumb Son of a Bitch, which is all I can refer to him as, I've got the foggiest idea who he is, and I can't even tell you the platform he said it on because I don't know, decided to come out and say that is not true. We are still discussing opponents. Now, what exactly was the goal in denying the claim? And can the claim be denied once it's said by the president? And this would be a very interesting case for the Supreme Court. In fact, it reminds me of a case that was taken up by the Supreme Court, which had to do with classified information. If you give away classified information, you can be put in prison. Depending on the level of that information, you can be hung under a law known as treason. The Supreme Court had to look at this. Can the President of the United States be arrested, be impeached, impeached, be removed from power, and possibly be hung if he gives away classified information? The answer was no, because it's impossible for the President to do. Because the President is the only person with the power to declassify information, the moment it comes out of the President's mouth to the public, it is therefore declassified. You may have followed that, you may like that, you may not like that. I am telling you, true case study taken up by the United States Supreme Court. So I'm going to carry that over, and yes, I'm making a little bit of a leap here to tie these things, but is it possible for the president of the organization you fight for to say you're fighting somebody and for you to say you're not? Is it even possible? You dumb son of a bitch. Do you think anybody cares who you're fighting? In all fairness, when you turned down Cowboy Cerrone, our interest in your opponent left. The good nice. news, in fairness to the story, Patty Pimlin is very interesting right now. Very much like Chemayev. What is taking so long to pick Chamayev's opponent? Because it really doesn't matter to us, the audience, who it is. We want to see Chamayev. And Patty's in that same category. Patty has something that's interesting and we want to see him fight. So the opponent really doesn't matter to us. But if I was going to go out and buy a ticket today, because my son is a Patty fan, and I just read that it's not official yet, I'm not going to go buy that ticket. Now, I might either hurt business by not selling out the arena or the arena's going to sell out by the time I go to get my son a ticket. Once it is official, they're gone. Either way, I have disrupted the market. And for what gain? For what possible gain to whatever I know some HTML, I live in my mother's basement, dot com, got the quote from the guy who I'm giving a hard time to and I can't name because I don't know his name would possibly make sense to interrupt a statement made by the president of your organization and the president of Barstool Sport. Did you guys know, I'll personalize this, did you know I fought a guy named Shogun? Now at one point in time, that was a very big fight. We sold out an arena, we had Conor McGregor on the undercard, Max Holloway was there, that night it was a very good card. But the UFC set out to have a very big card because it was the debut of the UFC on a new network called FS1. A branch off of Fox when they had that deal. So this this is the one where we need to get people's attention. We've got to educate fans. And the only way you're going to educate them is they go do a level of research to find out what time and what channel FS1 is even on. It had not existed yet. That FS1 had never been on a TV guide before. It's going to debut that night, 7 o'clock, and it's going to open with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So I fought a guy named Shogun. I was working at that time at Fox, and I was hosting a show called UFC Tonight. The producer of that show calls me right after I land back home. We filmed in LA. Right after I landed back home in Portland, he calls me and said, you're fighting Shogun. Why did you not tell us? We love to break scoop. We will always build our hosts up. And now I got a host coming on, breaking no scoop. Why didn't you tell us? Steve Becker was his name. He just wanted to know. I wasn't in trouble. and I wasn't getting a reprimand. But Becker wanted to know why I didn't tell him. I said, Becker, I didn't know. He did not believe me. He let it go. He let me slide. That was his way of letting me know in the future, if you have big scoop, particularly about yourself, come and share it with us so we can put it on the show. But he didn't believe me, and I was telling him the truth. And I did fight Shogun. And it was a main event, and it did sell at an arena, and it did set the all-time FS1 record. I have never been offered the Shogun fight. Nobody's ever, to this day, called and asked me or offered me a match with Shogun. I heard Dana say it. So I looked up the date, I told my family what venue it was, So they could get tickets, I went into training for it, and eventually we got out there. When I get to the weigh-ins, there's the bout agreement, you gotta sign it before you can get on the scale. I did all my paperwork right then. But I would never come out and say that it isn't true once the president says it. Anything that the president says is now by proxy true, and you, my friend, are one dumb son of a bitch. So there was some other news that came out this week about another one of the UFC's most beloved fighters and I got to say when I heard it I was pretty shocked. Oh no, no 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 no. Oh guys. This just in. Amanda Nunes is leaving American Top Team starting her her own gym. Do, do we need to make anything of it? Does that have anything to do with anything? I don't know. I don't know. That's how I got to word this to you guys. I'm speaking way out of school and I have no more information. What I just quoted for you, which was the headline at bjpenn.com Amanda Nunes leaves longtime gym ATT, which stands for American Top Team, to pursue her own gym endeavor. End quote. I have no other info. So I don't want to influence you guys because anything that comes out of my mouth it's based on one headline of an article I haven't even read yet, but when an athlete gets beat we see this all the time where they throw the baby out with the bathwater. It wasn't their fault, it was someone else's fault I need need a new start. Is any of that what's going on here? Not that I have evidence of I'm not speaking to that, but it does make me beg one question, and I only have one. Had she won the fight was she going to leave American Top Team anyway? If I have the answer to that Everything that I surmise is now true, but I don't have the answer to that. We got to look into it a little bit. It's very peculiar, though. When you go to open your own gym, you're looking to spin the business a little bit, build your empire, make sure you have something to fall into when your fight career is over. Well, if you're Amanda Nunes and your pockets are lined the way that her pockets are lined, she's still the champion of the world. She only got one belt instead of two. Her next fight is still going to be a world championship fight. She's just going to be the contender instead of the defender, right? Everything is beautiful for Amanda Nunes. She does not need your $100 a month sign-up fee. So what is she doing? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But is she leaving that gym because she feels as though her preparation for the last fight was not her fault. It was somebody else's. I don't like it when somebody leaves the gym. I don't. I can give you examples, and it would be irresponsible if I told you this never works out. But in a broad stroke, I could throw that out. I can offer you plenty of examples where it does work out. Plenty and plenty of examples where people have changed coaches and still done a great job. But I could give you five times more examples right off the top of my head where when you stop to dance with the one that brought you, things go from bad to worse. I have seen college programs ruin wrestlers, the community I come from where a guy's got a great skill set, and the college shows him new skills, stops him from practicing the ones that was good enough to get him recruited and paid for into college in the very first place, and then he can't remember what he used to do, and he never really quite perfected what the college wanted him to do. I mean, I see this year after year. I have the foggiest idea why a college recruit would assess a kid, decide his skills are good, bring him in, and then change him. I have no idea how they could be so foolish in the world of sport and sport psychology as to do it, but I see it every single year only point being it generally doesn't work out if amanda and this is a big if guys i don't i don't have the details here if amanda feels that the american top team didn't get her where she wanted to be i would just have to remind amanda you are not somebody coming off of a loss you are a champion of the world at featherweight who happened to be coming off of a loss in a fight that you were dominating There was only one round that was completed and Amanda won the round. Amanda was getting hit more times than she generally gets hit. And Amanda's storm was being weathered better than the way her storm is generally weathered. So there was nobody to blame. I don't I hope that I'm wrong and I hope Amanda isn't blaming. I hope that she was planning to open this gym and just she finally got the lease and the dates opened up and she just happens to be going out. I hope that she continues to work with those same teammates and those same coaches because one thing that you cannot do, and we can discuss guys that have gone from Mayweather to Freddie Roach and then left Freddie Roach and went over to Teddy Atlas and they won every belt didn't make one bit of difference. They sharpened their skills and got better. We could name those guys, but one thing that you cannot name is an athlete who doesn't have a coach that ever did well. Michael Jordan had a coach. Mayweather's got a coach. Tiger's got a coach. Serena's got a coach. Brady has got a coach. Rodgers has got a coach. I could play this game till I'm blue in the face. None of them did it on their own. And when you go to open up your own gym and you're now the one writing the checks, you're setting the schedules and you're writing the checks and you're telling people what to do, it's very hard for them to turn the gun back on you and go, yeah, but for these two hours, I'm in charge. You do what I say. And an athlete has to have that. Absolutely has to have that. So am I making too much out of a simple headline? Mm, pretty good chance of that. But I do think that a lot is going to be lost in these details. And Amanda is going to need those same teammates. That got her to champ champ status. They got her to greatest of all time status. She is the sitting and reigning champion of the world still. She just happens to have a new carve out put into the storyline where her next fight is going to turn out to be her biggest fight because of all of the interest. Can Jules do it again? Can Amanda fix the Corrections. Very interesting, but a great spot to be in. Certainly no, no reason, based on that, to get rid of those around you. Is it a situation where Amanda's going to open up a gym, but it's got good proximity, and she's still going to do her own training over here? She's going to have her own gym, but she's going to train over here. I will tell you, I had to do that. I was just a wrestling coach. But the team that I coached wrestling was not the team that I trained with. When I would go into my gym for my workouts, I was not in charge. I did not think on my own. I was told specifically what to do. That's called being coachable. It's called being the athlete. And a lot of times when you become the gym owner and you start to bring in these so you start to manufacture the times, you start to change them just a little bit. If you're late, there's no one to yell at you. It's just, it's one of these things. It's a very tough spot. And I do think that is a new wrinkle into the Jewels fight because at all fairness, there is the other side of it. And I do see that a lot. It's a fifth of the time, but it does happen where an athlete gets better. An athlete is so disciplined, right? It's, it's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. You could work out with people that are nowhere near your skill level, but if you do everything just right, you can get one hell of a workout. And it is most definitely a new added storyline. We just saw this play out in front of us. Kamar Usman had changed camps from the first time he fought Colby Covington, but Colby had changed camps too. And both of those guys did look different, and the fight, frankly, was better. So Amanda's not in some terrible spot, but she is going into this big fight with the Venezuela Vixen, and it does matter what has happened in between. Generally speaking, this would be a negative for an athlete. That doesn't mean it's going to be for Amanda, but I'm not out of bounds to ask the question and to bring it to your attention at all. History would be on the side of this is a bad idea. If she is going to go run a gym over here, but she's still going to get her st- same workouts at this gym, and all of a sudden it's really confusing. Wait a minute, you live in the same house, so the proximity is close, so you're actually you're, you're now a competitor to the gym that got you to where you are? I mean, th- it gets weird fast. And work creates work. I will tell you that. If you think you're going to go into the gym and you're just going to lend your name and somebody else is going to run it, believe me, your phone is going to be ringing. Somebody is not going to show up for practice. All of a sudden you're filling in. Coach Ian is selfless. Being an athlete is selfish, ish All about me. So she's put herself in an interesting spot. We don't quite have the details yet. Does she plan to run the gym there? Does she plan to be in there on a daily basis? Is this the new endeavor that she wants to go with that's going to pay pennies on the dollar? Whatever Amanda's going to bring in, and I'm talking about gross, whatever she's going to bring in over the life of that gym will not be what she makes if she just did one more fight. So business-wise, this is a peculiar situation, which lends me to believe that this is personal, that she feels something happened or she was neglected. Now, she would have the very wrong impression going to that fight. Amanda needs to know one thing and one thing only when she goes into the rematch with Juliana. Juliana is a harder fight than she thought Juliana was going to be. That is the only mental hurdle that she needs to get around. The physicality, again, only one round was completed. Amanda won the round. Is there a panic mode going on with the champ? Is there a start over blame everybody else going on with the champ? Or was this plan always in place? The mats have finally arrived. The keys and the lease finally got signed and it's business as usual. I don't know guys, but it is important that we find out. To close out today's show, I want to turn my attention to the event that's finally Almost here, UFC 270. I've been talking about this fight between Francis and Surreal for weeks, and I'd like to take a few minutes to tell you something that I just can't wrap my mind around. Alright guys, this is not a joke, and I have have brought proof with me. I am on the websites. I am at something called MMAJunkie.com, one of the larger and more influential websites in our entire industry, but for sure a top tier in terms of the respect it shows to the sport and the respect you can show to the site. They don't get things wrong, by example. They look into everything. They don't bury anybody. They tell the story the way it happened. They're just a good place to go for news. Now, I'm showing you this so you don't think I'm exaggerating. The top story actually happens to be about yours truly. son and lods Mosvedal, for accepting Colby Covington fight. Next story down. UFC loosens their COVID-19 policy. Next story down. Felipe suspended 18 months by the Nasdaq. That a boy, Felipe. I knew I always liked you. Next one down. Spinning back. Click. How many titles will change hands at UFC 270? Next one down. Now I'm off the page. I'm scroll. Are you seeing that I have to scroll with my finger to go up here? The mergers of Lobo Gym inside a Mexican MMA hotbed. Now, here's my favorite part. There's an advertisement for Surreal Gone and Francis and There's not an article. The only reason Francis and Surreal are on MMA Junkie right this moment is because somebody bought a buy. Let's see what's underneath that. Certainly, it's going to be about the heavyweight championship soon, right? No. Brandon Moreno throws a birthday party for his daughter. <laughs> I mean, and happy birthday to the little princess, Brandon. But in all fairness, can we all agree how starved we must be for content if we're writing about Brandon Moreno's daughter having a birthday party? Can we, can we agree? All right, let's see what's underneath that. Bellator adds Deonna versus Bennett under that. Oh, my sweet heavens. UFC 270 commentary team. Broadcast plans set. Joe Rogan on the call for the (laughs) pay-per-view. What the? the, I'm not making this up. Do you know how starved you would have to be to turn in content to cover Brandon Moreno's daughter's birthday? Good for you, Brandon. I promise you I'm not teasing you. Do you know how starved you would have to be? They put out who's announcing the show. Who gives a goddamn who's announcing the show? The heavyweight championship is on the line. Two of them. The interim championship and the undisputed championship. Sweet potato pie. Are these guys going to do anything? And it's not as though the boys at MMA Junkie couldn't carry the load for him. Boys at MMA Junkie know all about it. When you get somebody like Junkie, and I'm speaking out of school here. I have not talked to the good men and women at MMA Junkie. But when you get somebody like Junkie who doesn't cover you, that means they're pissed at you, which means... The writers at Junkie put in requests for Surreal and for Francis and got told no. That's a guess. I don't know that for sure. But to have a fight of this magnitude days away, the press conference hours away, the weigh-in in front of that, we've got an entire event planned for this before those boys get in there and settle business on what is going to be a historic outcome. They are going to merge this championship, this true grudge that could have been kicked down the road about two years, is going to happen for us right now. It's a treat for the fans. We don't have to wait. Somebody's getting put in the rear view. We then don't know what the contract for Francis looks like. We're hearing things about maybe going over in boxing. That makes it interesting. Oh, and by the way, John Jones is lurking, allegedly. There is nothing more that has ever been put on a fight like this. Vince McMahon could do a match like this, but only because he's writing it out and controlling the strings. This is as big as it gets, and MMA junkie's not covered. I haven't heard anybody talk about it except for me. I don't bring you guys stories, just for example, I don't break stuff, I don't call guys and get scoop and give it to you. I respect the people that do, but in all fairness, I have a much lazier approach. Somebody else does it, I observe it, and then I bring you those observations. I haven't been able to do that once. The only person I can give any credit to, and I'm happy to do it, is Megan Oliva. She's the only one that got me to speak. Not to mention what a great job Megan did with Francis. I actually look at Francis differently. My opinion of Francis is changing very rapidly. Is that happening to you guys? I'm only personalizing this and telling you me because I'm wondering if that's happening with you because usually we have, usually you guys and I are dancing to the beat of the same drum. I met Francis though. I met him, been talking about him for a while, had never met him, met him, left with a different opinion. But even as I sit back and I observe him, and in Francis's interview with Megan, the one and only thing that I have seen anybody do, oh, and by the way, it served Francis very well. He was a true gentleman to Megan, which I appreciated. He didn't say a goddamn thing about the fight. He did not talk about this fight at all. But for some reason, we're putting all this weight on Francis, saying, hey, Francis, where's your promotion? That's a fair question by us. But if you want to talk about being fair, Surreal's done the exact same thing. Why have we decided that Surreal gets to be the good guy and Francis has to be the bad guy? Why are we doing that, guys? Real question. Have you ever stood back and looked at it? Why is Francis the bad guy in this story? Just because he wants to go and box? What's his nuts? Why would that make him a bad guy? He's not doing that behind the scenes. He's not taking his ball and going home. He came out and told the world that. I mean, he did it above board in all fairness. There's no reason to not like him, and he hasn't done anything else that Surreal hasn't done. Not to mention, if Surreal was given the opportunity to go and fight uh, what's-his-nuts, he'd take it too. So they're dead even here, but we've decided that Francis is the bad guy. Now, I'm going in circles. I can't break down this fight for you. It would appear to me, very obviously, we have a kickboxing match. And this has been tested many times, but it doesn't always go the way that you might think. I'll give you a fair example, even include Francis in it. What was Francis, heavy hitter, one punch power versus Derek Lewis, heavy hitter, one punch power. Those guys respected each other and they stayed away. You might remember, and this will be uh, the same example, but in reverse, Colby Covington, Kamara Usman, parts one and two. They were so good at wrestling that they just threw it out to hell with it. You're too good at defense, I'm too good at defense, it's gonna get you tired, it's gonna get me tired, let's just go get a stand up fist fight, right? Okay. You see those great striking battles that catch you off guard more often with two grappling heavy guys than you do with two striking heavy guys. They don't get in there and engage for whatever reason. Kimbo Slice comes to mind, take it on Houston Alexander. I could give you a couple of these, but more often than not, when the action doesn't take place, it's because they both agree with what I'm saying and what you guys are seeing, which is you're both really good on your feet. You're both really scary on your feet. So instead of getting in there and actually testing this and figuring this thing out, let's just stay the hell back and make sure nothing happens. We have seen those. The difference here is surreal In my opinion, I can't prove this, but Surreal is the much faster fighter. Why do I say that? Well, basically just because of size. I've not seen Francis be slow. Don't mishear me here. But good basic logic says a guy that weighs 246 can move faster than a guy that weighs 270. And I think that Surreal is going to get in there and try to test it. Now, that's also what Francis is counting on. All Francis needs is you come on close, baby. You get within arm's reach, and I'll take it from here. So in in some ways, they really are going to complement each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses. There is a built-in dialogue of they could cancel each other out. You've got this uh, new kickboxer in the UFC, 185-pounder, Pierre, very good. And his claim to fame at this point is that he defeated Israel Adesanya in kickboxing. And a lot of people are really clamoring to see that fight. I'm one of them. But in all fairness, it's for the drama leading up to that fight and the drama coming out the back door. I would not predict for you that's going to be a fun match to watch for the reasons I'm laying out right now. You have two guys that do the same thing. And whether they know it or not, it's an ego battle and they will avoid doing that thing because they don't want to risk losing at that thing. There is a magic wand and somebody came to Francis and said, Francis, I'm sorry. Your good luck has ran out. You're going to lose to Surreal. But I'll let you choose how you lose to him. Francis would not choose to be knocked out by him. Not when Francis is trying to build himself as this great, powerful striker and go over and fight Tyson Fury. Now, Francis would say, chill. Why would you even say that? That's silly. I got it. It's subconscious. Francis doesn't know that that's a built-in piece. But it's also built in for Surreal. Surreal, who is the guy who's never been taken down, who's supposed to be this great kickboxer. And he is also doesn't want to lose in that realm, so it's a subconscious thing that keeps each other from each other. So how is the fight going to go? And I will tell you one thing from that sparring footage that I got. I don't have anything out of that that you guys don't. Other than the fact that Francis is a better athlete than I knew. Before I saw that training footage, I thought Francis was a monster. And he's got really good power. And he's got a pretty big heart, and he's got good courage, and he's willing to go out there. Like, I could give Francis a whole bunch of compliments, but great athlete wasn't one of them. And not very many men walking the planet that weigh 270 pounds are great athletes. You just don't see a lot of it. They got the, the, the heavyweight from Minnesota, Gable Stevenson, is hitting a backflip after he wins the Olympic Games. Sports Center was more interested in the fact that a man that was 280 pounds could do a backflip than they were that he just became the youngest Olympic champion in history. I mean, in all fairness, you just don't see this huge level of athleticism. And I did see Francis coming up with the teeps. I did see Francis hitting spinning wheel kicks. And he was just stretching out. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody, but I was seeing these movements. I was seeing Francis do things that the biggest guy I've ever seen that can do those things is John Jones. So we've got all these different directions for this fight. We have a grand total of no help from the participants in the fight to the point that MMA Junkie only discussed it because somebody paid him to. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, search your welcome, and leave us a review, like our friend G, who says, the official voice of combat sports is Chael P. Sonnen. Well, thank you, G., And thanks to the rest of ya, I'm gonna be back on Friday. Till then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.